by the way, appreciate being asked on the podcast, but um, I'm way, way, way underqualified compared to all your other guests. Oh, um, come on. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> no, man. Like, like those guys actually know what they're talking about. Like, I'm just throwing darts in the wild. Like, in comparison to them, when they have, like, legit thesis on things, you know? I'm curious how you got... Uh, well, yeah, first of all, thanks for thanks for coming on. I guess I'm curious. My first question would be, how, how did you get involved in all this craziness? Okay. And, um, yeah, that's a good question, I guess. Well, to be honest, I wanted to try and make some money. That's how I first got into it. I was in... Oh, I got into... Okay, my background is did maths in university um, and came across an example of like uh, sports arbitrage. So uh, horse racing will be quite big in Ireland. And it was like, um, there was events where you could like back a horse with, um, with a bookmaker and then, be- so bet that the horse would win with one company and bet that the horse would lose with a different company. But you could do so in such a way that you could cover all the outcomes and still like guarantee to make like a few percent profit, just arbitrage and, and sports markets. Mm-hmm. So that's um, I got into that and then I uh, started doing that across all different sports, all different time frames. But then like the issue was um, bookies or cowboys, like they just block you if, if you're any bit profitable. So I started doing it in play. So like on live events, but like like an opportunity might arise in like, I don't know, a friendly under 19s football match in, in some small town. And I'm trying to put like a couple of hundred quid on the number of corners in the first half, right? And the total amount of money in the game might be like 20 euro or something. I don't know. So like they know like that just like who is this person trying to bet like a large amount of money on this like really obscure game. So then like I realized like there's different things I needed to figure out about how the system worked and like bet sizing, things like that. Um, but the issue was getting blocked basically. So like I made, I made, learned as I went along, made loads of mistakes. Eventually getting blocked became such an issue that I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I came across different exchanges where you could like Coinbase, Binance, um, Bitpanda, Kraken, whatever, all at slightly different Bitcoin, USD prices, like a, a, a really slight discrepancy. And I was like, okay, maybe I should try arbitrage cryptocurrencies because I'm not going to get blocked, right? They're not like bookmakers. They can't block me. That was 2017, like early 2017, yeah. but it was early 2017. So it was before like the attention was there. And like I was doing this manually, like there was there was no automation. Um, I literally had like uh, tabs open with the different exchanges, like manually sending money between them, like not sophisticated at all, like very raw <laughs> and like, that's crazy. yeah. And then basically that's how I got into crypto. That's it. Like that was my, um, yeah, the gateway drug was arbitrage. So I'm curious when you were doing sports betting, I mean, did you have actual alpha? Like how, how the hell would you know how many corner kicks there's going to be on this game? Yeah. I was, I was actually paying for a service bet burger that um, basically it does all the work for you and and there's a hyperlink directly to the bet slip then on the bookies websites like that was the easy part the hardest part was actually account management and um, account management was the most difficult part and it got messy when you get blocked and then you're trying to create new accounts and it's just not um yeah it was just the management side of it that it was a bit messy and i just didn't want to do it anymore that's a true og origin story i mean a true dj and origin story right there yeah, like I'm, I, like I'm a DJ, like there's so many people that LARP as like, I don't know anything about art. I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about art. And <laughs> um, I remember seeing like a Warhol soup can um, print, and I thought, like, what the hell is this? Like, um, I couldn't wrap my head around this. Why anybody would pay more than you know twenty dollars or something like that? But that's obviously as a complete normie who didn't know anything about art or why why anybody would want to own stuff, whatever. But um, yeah, like um, um, I think there's a lot of people on Twitter who are trying to LARP 
with a shitcoin background as well, which is the most hilarious part. Um, and all of a sudden, they're connoisseurs of blockchain art. <laughs> I do think it's hilarious, and I think um, we're all kind of too nice to each other, right? Like, I feel like everyone's afraid to criticize, but you know, the typical person is some like twenty-four-year-old in his mom's yeah. basement who made a few bucks trading Bitcoin, who all of a sudden is an art connoisseur, like you said. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, this is why I love I love where Pepe is so much because of their origin story of being like, they don't try to be anything that they're not. They were yeah. created for fun and at a time before really the financial incentivization was there. And people just wanted to trade cards for fun. And it was pre any sort of NFT bull run before, you know, everybody sees a money opportunity. And they're just, a lot of the cards are jokes about crypto as well, which is like, they're, they're, they're very crypto native. I mean, they might not be the most profitable, but like, um, yeah, that's just one of the reasons why I really, really like them. You have a lot of rare Pepe's? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a heavy bag holder now. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. What are some of your favorite ones that you have? Uh, Morpheus Pepe. Uh, the Nakamoto card, of course. Um, mm -hmm. There's a card, um, Ungo Sutton. It's Japanese. Um, and it's like, what I love about them as well is like, there's a international base of like artists as well. So, like, um, oh, there's so many cool things. That, uh, I'm going to go down a little rabbit hole. Not a rabbit hole, but like where Pepe's with the anybody could submit an artwork right so like there was this like a, a loose set of like rules where okay it can't be like politically motivating something like that or um be racist things like that there was a loose set of rules so anybody could submit an artwork to the directory and the people who would like the curators were called the rare pepe scientists who would decide whether an art piece or like a, a piece would be added to the directory or not a new character to be issued and then like that's so cool right anybody could submit it so anybody could have been an artist but there was there's people from all over the world who did who submitted cards and there's some Japanese artists in the collection. So, um, yeah, one of those cards I thought was quite cool. And I just hit up the artist, um, there's a girl, Emma from Japan, just direct messaged her on Twitter. and was like, yeah, I do. Cause the problem with a lot of the rare Pepe cards is the distribution is terrible. And the artists, some of the artists still hold like 80% of the supply of any single card. So like one card might have a supply of 300, but the artist might hold like 70% of the supply in a lot of cases. Uh, and you don't know whether they're going to burn the supply or whether they've lost their wallets or whether it's going to slowly siphon them off or the market is just dead. There's no point in ever buying because they're just going to be selling these 70 cards and there's never really 70 pipes. So yeah, just the, all that, that aspect of it is interesting, I think. Yeah. I think rare pepes are fascinating and I, I'm not sure. I think maybe a lot of people listening may not know anything about them. So, you know, I have a few and I got into them kind of late, maybe like two years ago. And I know the Nakam the uh, Nakamoto is uh, edition of three hundred. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's three hundred in total. And um, why is that one so valuable? Because it's card one, series one, right? So it's like the first one. It's the first one. Yeah, yeah. I think there's generally a premium and a lot of NFTs for the first of the collection or series. For example, like a maybe Chromy Squig of Art Blocks, right? I know there's obviously Snowfro as well, but um, a lot of the first cards demand a. Uh, command a premium similar to the spells of genesis cards i'm not sure if you're familiar with those other uh bitcoin uh trading cards which preceded when where pepe's and uh, spells of genesis the first card there is the fd card and that also com commands some sort of premium because it was the first card um mm -hmm. as well as other elements too but yeah like i mean like there's i think there's 1774 pepe cards in total of which there's a varying supply of each card um, but that's cool too, right? Because you can buy one for, you know, $10, whatever. 
Um, so anybody can actually buy one. But yeah, I don't know, don't know where why I got started on where Pep is. But anyway, I think they're um, yeah, they're really cool. I like. Them. Well, I know you know one of our crew, Debussy, He's really the rare pet base. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. When did you get? When did you first do your your first rare pet bait? How did you find out about it? It's like quite late, to be honest. Because like again, <laughs> I was a typical. I thought CryptoPunks were the first ever NFT, uh, and I was wrong. So on my first, so basically how I got into NFTs was then um, on Twitter. Basically, just saw them on Twitter. Saw CryptoPunks, the sales bot, you know that Twitter page, and right. I was like, why are people buying internet pictures? And I couldn't figure out what the attraction was i was like i can download this for free or i just and then rather than what most people will do is say this is stupid i will say okay there's clearly something here that i don't get that there's a like there's a group of people who obviously are willing to pay money for this and i need to try and figure out like what is their logic for this right rather than just brush them off as idiots so then i spent some time like yeah okay like you you can prove that you own it i mean that's cool right it's just basically wrapping my head around digital ownership and um, that's all it was. And in doing so, I thought that it was my first time seeing and hearing about NFTs. Therefore, I thought it was the first one. And there was a popular narrative at the time that CryptoPunks were the first ever NFT. And I thought so too, of course. Now, they, they did, um, of course, like they were the reason for inspiring so much things that did happen within the NFT space, of course. And probably the reason why they went mainstream, or not mainstream, but um, the first probably project to really break out. Um, but after a while i realized like okay these are cool i want to dig into the history of nfts crypto whatever how we actually got here and that's where i kind of came across for a pet base then so yeah mm-hmm. yeah it, it was honestly maybe a year into collecting nfts did i really sit down and try and figure out all right what stuff what's the history of this stuff how did we get to where we are today yeah that was it really and then when did you buy your Nakam- nakamoto was that like a big um i was about, I was about to say nakamigo <laughs> when did you buy your nakamoto uh, was that a big step for you to take? Was it expensive at the time? Or Yeah, Pango. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pango. He's a big Rare Pepe collector. I basically direct messaged him on Twitter. And I see, I had no concept of how to use Bitcoin, like the the uh, counterparty, right? So counterparty is like the, I don't know what is it, layer on top of Bitcoin that these cards are traded on. Like It's it's it's, it's an absolute mess, right? It's so confusing. Collecting mm-hmm. these things is, is a disaster. I know Emlyn Bots have been really helpful in helping bridge cross the E and then you've got the whole mm, trust issue there but whatever it's it, that, mm-hmm. that's helpful but I just basically and this is what I love about crypto as well is that there are people that I don't know never met probably will never meet don't know anything about them but I would totally trust them with large sums of money right, right. just because the, yeah. because of their like uh, re- online reputation which is very very strange very strange anyway um, I DM'd Pango and was like look I want one of these cards. And he was like, well, you could buy one on OpenSea for whatever price it was, but there's one for sale through a dispenser that's a lot cheaper. And like a dispenser is like on true using like a yeah, counterparty where you could buy in Bitcoin. And I was like, okay, I have no idea how to do this. Like, can you tell me what to do? And he gave me like a step-by-step tutorial on how to, you know, get free wallets, whatever. And um, yeah, how to, how to purchase it basically using a dispenser. And that's how I, I think it was like um, for Bitcoin or something at the time. Um, but I was just, um, you see, I couldn't wrap my head around why a 10k supply of CryptoPunks, a 10k supply of Bored Apes, and a, a card one series one where Pepe, a total supply of 300, was trading far below these the price of like 
one CryptoPunk or one board ape. I just couldn't like I was like just three hundred of these versus ten thousand, and um, I thought it was undervalued in comparison. Basically, that was my logic behind it. Um, yeah, I think even hearing you say that now, it kind of makes sense. Like, um, not financial advice, but a, a, a yeah, a not I think it finally it, it finally flipped it now. Right but at one stage, it was like double. It was like the floor for board apes and punks were like two or three times the floor for a Nakamoto card. And yeah. I still think it's like probably one of the most most undervalued. I don't know. I don't know. I don't shill my bags, but and um, <laughs> it's definitely. Um, I wish in my bags. Yeah, it's same. Um, it's uh, it is iconic, definitely. And just to explain a little more about that, because I've done I've gone through that process too. Uh, well, well, a couple things. The as far as getting the rare Pepe's, yeah, you can now they have emblem and fault, which basically is like a wrapped punk, right? Like they take the asset and then they. Well, explain it maybe. Maybe you know it. Yeah. So I'm I'm not a dev. I don't know. I'm technically incompetent. Don't know how anything works, right? But I tried to wrap my head around what it like. So how the concept works is you've got your asset in a Bitcoin wallet, which has your Bitcoin public key and your private key to that wallet. So then, what happens is the asset is transferred to a new Bitcoin wallet, of which the private key to that wallet is somehow encrypted and stored in the NFT on ETH somehow, because you can't actually like transfer the asset across the chain, right? From Bitcoin to Ethereum. So the asset is in like a new Bitcoin wallet where the private key to access that wallet is encrypted in the Ethereum NFT that you own. That makes sense. Hmm. Maybe I butchered the explanation, but that's how it works. So what you actually own when you own the NFT then is you hold an encrypted version of the Bitcoin wallet private key, which you can um, unlock if you wish. So if you wish to like move that uh, asset to a different Bitcoin wallet or sell it, you could just sell the NFT, which is like the encrypted private key, or you can crack the vault. So cracking the vault is where you reveal the private key for which then you can log into that or access that wallet and move it. So yeah, that's how it works. And I've done that process a few times with different assets just to get familiar with it and Mm -hmm. for example if you did have some assets on bitcoin and you felt like you might find more liquidity on ethereum some people will go through that process or for and in terms of storage as well they might prefer to hold their assets in some some pure like bitcoin maxis or rare pepe maxis would be like they never want to own or hold expensive assets in emblem vault because of the trust assumptions and other people would argue that they don't want to hold anything outside of an ethereum wallet because they're more comfortable holding their assets uh, there so yeah there's different uh, arguments but the whole process of just learning it and what i love is how difficult it is and how the user experience is so terrible and um, because that's always where the fun stuff is really i think like if it's too smooth you're late mm-hmm. if it's too easy you're late like and um, and just the whole rabbit hole of actually trying to source the cards find out how to buy them i, I enjoy the stress of all that to be honest yeah it's a lot of fun i mean that the asymmetry whenever there's like you know, only a few people out there who can understand how to do all this crap is when you have the opportunity to get stuff while it's still relatively cheap, right? Because you know, eventually it's going to either die, in which case it was a bad bet, or if it was a good bet, yeah. it'll become way easier to, to get later, and then you'll have gotten it when you did. Yeah, and and, and I'm, I'm also, I don't I don't really buy stuff that has like a utility either. Like I, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm terrified of like, I'm terrified of JPEGs having to actually do something other than exist. And um, I have zero faith in almost all, um, I would say, projects where there's any utility involved. Well, if you look at that, the chart going around Twitter last few days with everything down 98% or whatever, a lot of those are utility-based projects. So it's probably a good investing thesis right now, at least. It seems like it's panned out for you. 
Yeah, I mean, there there might be um, like the technology of NFTs themselves can be used as you know whatever you want, but like you can you be used as access tokens or whatever. Like the NFTs can be used for anything, but just the projects like PFP projects that owning mm-hmm. a PFP is a, as a utility for something. No, I I just never got it to be honest. Never got it. I think. Th- thanks for explaining Imblin Vault. I, I didn't actually realize that's how it worked. So it's really not like a wrapped punk because it's no crossing the chain by taking the. I mean, I mean, you explained it, but that's really cool. So you've actually done the process of cracking the yeah, and then entering it into the wallet and getting the asset. Yeah, yeah, I've done that, and I, I've yeah, I've, I have um, vaulted some assets and unvaulted. So I think they call it vaulting. It's the process, just like yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it is. But um, yeah, I know they've done a lot. They're working on. I haven't been keeping up to date recently, but Jake from Emblem Vault has been like helping curate like Emblem Vault sets where um, just the whole, it's still a mess to be honest, like trying to find cards and things like that. Um, it's still a messy process and I don't know, will it ever be easy or not? I don't know if it'll ever be streamlined, but yeah, I enjoy messing around with that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I definitely liked kind of the old days of, of farting around with stuff and um I don't think I don't think there's as many opportunities now because it's sort of like the secrets out. But at the same time, with this bear market we're, we're experiencing, there's going to be some things that people just aren't interested in. And yeah, I, I encourage anyone to like get your hands on this technology and buy a really cheap NFT just to play around with it if, if you're curious. I definitely faded ordinals though. Like I was just like I I hadn't I put no time into actually researching them or trying to figure them out. Like mm-hmm. like none. I basically just faded them completely. And, what do you feel about so, them now? I, I don't know. I still haven't researched anything. Yeah. It's annoyingly confusing. And then the other thing is that, see, now I'm blanking on what even the terms are because there's the um, ordinal is basically when they had the hard fork for, I guess it was a soft fork. Anyway, the fork for Bitcoin that allowed whatever upgrade it was, was it the um, taproot? It allowed you to basically give serial numbers to all the Bitcoin out there to, to every Satoshi basically. And so that's an ordinal. It, it, this is my understanding. So then Bitcoin became an NFT project. Kinda, yeah. I mean, it, it, so someone realized that could happen a little bit later. This one guy, he's, he admitted it. I heard, a, heard him on a podcast. And then an inscription is basically the actual data that you're putting on an ordinal. So we call them ordinals, but their inscription is probably a more accurate term. And it's in, on one, each individual sat, right? On one sat, yeah. And each sat can hold four megabytes of, of data. So if you inscript data onto a SAT, that's called an ordinal. Then is that how it? No, that's called an inscription. <laughs> you're, inscri- okay. you're inscribing it on an ordinal. An ordinal is a okay. Bitcoin that can be distinguished from any other, not a Bitcoin, okay. it's a Satoshi that can be uh, unique, basically become, become non fungible. Yeah. I hope I hope nobody's listening to Alpha here because we don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Two morons talking about ordinal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, yeah. I think I sort of understand it. But then the other thing that gave me pause recently was I was like because initially I was thinking I should get into this I should learn about it it's it's not going to go away but then there's like other ways to issue NFTs on Bitcoin so it's like who's to say that that's going to be the way that catches on and then there's color coins from like a long time ago but those are just coins so like they're not really that cool and then there's you know uh, rare pepes are on counterparty which is I think a layer two like you said so it's technically not on Bitcoin but it sort of is but it's, yeah you know the data is not not on chain, but who really cares about that? I, I don't know that anyone really cares. And then I saw your tweet about uh, depends on your bags. Yeah, it depends on your bags, of course. If, yeah. if you have on chain bags, and on chain is the only yeah. axic. 
But what I saw your tweet about Yuga and the Ordinals, and uh, they did time that sale perfectly. Jesus, how much did they make? Perfect. They par- I don't know, a bunch of millions of that Ordinal sale. Twelvefold. I don't know how what the secondary market action is like. But not great. Yeah. No project that launches with an incredibly high floor like that, I think, ever does well. Like, all the good projects were either free or a low mint and not hyped. Like, uh, I remember, I, I, like, yeah. my favorite thing I missed was the other, other side or the other deeds land. Like, I, I, I couldn't buy that night. Like, I tried to, tried to buy the virtual land for the game scam thing, whatever, I don't know. Uh, I, the ga- I didn't, didn't set gas high enough, but I'm so happy that I, my transaction failed. <laughs> Man, I I'm an idiot. I I like I paid so much gas to buy what were those even called? The stupid Yuga Land things. Other side, other D. Other side, yeah. Like I bought I bought one, but I paid more in gas than I think it cost. I think I paid like two point five in gas and two point five for the or for the other deed. I don't know. I don't want to be like a well. I don't mind really if I am, but sound like a monkey fodder. But like I and I haven't been keeping up to date with it, right? But what, there's what a hundred thousand plots of virtual land. For a game that doesn't exist, that's been they've been building for like two years, and like it's like a thousand, it's still a thousand dollars for a piece of land, right? And it's like, who's like, why would you buy one of those? Like, I don't know, like you can get a good game for like a hundred quid yeah. or whatever. How is this? <laughs> how how is it still a thousand dollars? Like, how is it not zero yet? Like, it's still so much money for a virtual land for a game that doesn't exist. I'll never understand it. And, but I think it's the cult and, of you guys. I think people are hoping it's going to go up, right? That's the only reason people. Yeah, like I do. They genuinely think the whole world is going to like live in this monkey metaverse game, and ApeCoin it'll be the US dollar. Ah oh, man, and <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I know. Well, I it. wanted to go back to what you were saying about when you have these deals, these over-the-counter deals where you're exchanging like large sums of money. It is. It kind of, in a way, has restored my faith in humanity because I, yeah, there's people I've never met. And I've had them send me literally like $100,000 of ETH just directly to my wallet and then hoping that I'm going to give them the NFTs that were promised. It's not. What's, all, what's also cool about it is that the same people are the people who talk so much about privacy, about like a distrust in like government, distrust in states, distrust yeah. in like intermediate or intermediaries. Like they're like, no, you need to like, you need to be self-sovereign. You need to like cut out intermediaries. And then they're like, yeah, no problem. Uh, I can like, yeah, I trust that guy, or they'll trust you. And it's like, uh, it's it sounds kind of contradictory. Uh, well, I think that's a very libertarian thing, though. I think that a lot of people do trust other humans. They don't trust institutions. Yeah, fair enough. So I don't think that's a huge contradiction, but um, yeah, it is. It is funny that you can be so secure and so uh, careful about every little thing. And then you're like, oh, you have a pixelated face. I've never met you. Sure, here's you know 30 ETH. I'll just send it to you and hope it works out. Yes. But the first thing you learn is don't trust, verify. And the Very second funny. thing you learn is when to break that rule. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. So I, I want to know when you got your pump. I think I saw that you bought it for around 75 East. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I bought my first one for three. And that's which one was that? Oh, one? Do you remember? Oh... Albino, classic shades, and um, forward cap and an earring. Mm-hmm. I think, and um, but yeah, I the current one is a beanie, is a two trait beanie with the is that classic shades? Yeah, sorry, that's classic shades. I think so. I yeah, different shades that were on the other pump, but um, I can't sell it now, can I? Because it's my profile picture. So I made no. a stupid mistake of having a digital identity, <laughs> and now I can't sell it. Now what's you the know. background? Is it looks like an autoglyph? Yeah, it is. 
It is. And you own Audible? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you do. Nice. I didn't know that you owned one. Yeah. I basically was like, I think these are cool. And I, I was like in bull mode, you know, where I was like, oh, these are like the mm-hmm. digital, this is the digital art equivalent of like a Picasso or whatever. And I was like, I want to try and get my hands on like the rarest that I can. And I was like, oh, this is like real mid, mid curve thinking. I was like, okay, anyway, there's only 44 beanies. Like there's 88. Uh, zombies but there's only like or whatever there is but there's only 44 uh, beanies so these are rarer than zombies like just purely by like statistical like without taking like anything else into account and I was like so like there's like eight, there's like um, aliens apes like maybe zero addies whatever and then there's beanies like that's the, they're the, like the real premium but um, and then you see like some of the high supply like hoodies that are like 250 or whatever 260 maybe more so there's obviously taste involved in it as well. And then I was thinking like classic mid-card, I was like, how many rich people work at Google like that wear those like uh, <laughs> uh, those hats, you know, like there's got to be, there's going to be at least How many nerds are out there? There's at least 44 <laughs> of them like who will buy my bags. <laughs> I wouldn't give up on the BD just yet. I think, uh, I think it's a no, no, no. Well-respected. I, 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 no, I have no, yeah. no intention of selling it anytime soon anyway, but I, I won't say it like uh, never sell, never sell. Like, you know, there's, there's a price where you'll sell. Of course, but like nowhere near where the, where the fair market value right now. Anyway, nowhere near that. I do think the beanie is is extremely recognizable. You know more than yeah, any, and it can. carries the classic. Uh, the trait itself carries uh, the reputation of beanie maxi. I guess right. He's helped the brand, I think, even though he's controversial. Definitely in terms of uh, recognizability. Anyway, uh, no. When did when did you get your auto clip? A funny story, actually, and. Uh, you, do you know Mr. Have you ever come across Mr. Seven Hundred Three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he, so he's not active anymore on any social media platforms. But right. this guy who is famous for claiming seven hundred and three punks back in twenty seventeen or whatever, and the floor was like running quite quickly on glitz at the time, and I knew that he had like a handful of them, and the floor was like slightly outside of my um, outside of my range, like that I could afford to. to to spend on it and I, I, I DM'd him on Discord and I was like any, any chance like I could are you looking to sell a glyph and like he was like okay fine and we agreed on a price <laughs> and he was like okay can you send me ETH please and I was like yeah okay then <laughs> thanks and he's like he replied with like thumbs up emoji glyph on the way and then after the transaction was confirmed he sent me the glyph and I uh, I was like, this is nuts. This is absolutely wow. nuts. It was all just true shady Discord direct messages. Uh, it's not recommended. Like, I wouldn't recommend that you do that at all. Anyone, I would never. It worked I'd out. I never recommend doing that. <laughs> and I would say, I'll tell you right now, I would never do that. But I obviously would because I did. But um, yeah, and like, that's the worst. That's the absolutely worst thing you could do. Um, yeah, but the thing is, like, you know, you verified. I'm like, is this guy going to run away with my ETH? Like, because he could. And then you see, their collection and you're like yeah it's not worth it for them like it really isn't like the reputational damage um and the trust of like their whole them as a person like they're just you're just a scammer then right yeah but and then unless of course unless of course it was a fake like discord account that right direct messaging right but i i did obviously a little bit of research into that before i said i mean that's where you can get screwed is if you yeah it's not too yeah. much that the real person is frauding you it's that you're not talking to the real person yeah and that the account or whatever yeah. And some of the social engineering scams have been quite impressive, right? Where they like mm-hmm. 
masquerade as somebody else or whatever or, or, or even if you just access somebody else's discord like i'm sure there's a, i could get a bunch of messages from people if for somehow their twitter was hacked and some of my close friends message me be like hey can you send me some meat there i want to buy something and i'm like yeah sure here here you go <laughs> like get it set back later or whatever and uh, that's why i just don't i never help anyone that's just my motto yeah yeah, fair. <laughs> Tap was asking me for money the other day. I said, no, dear, I can't give you your money. Sorry, you could be scamming me. So I'm I'm pretty impressed with your collection. I mean, you you seem to have a lot of discipline. Like you don't seem to FOMO into a bunch of junk. And yet here you are right now with a, an Autoglyph, a pretty rare CryptoPunk, and a Nakamoto, um, which is an awesome three. Uh, like, like That's a pretty great collection just right there. Yeah, I think my I did FOMO into the... I lost Robbie all right recently. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that was not a formal. No, it wasn't a formal. It was like, um, it was, I finally had to eat to where I could get one. And I re like, I had such an urge to, I don't know what it was. Uh, but I was like, I felt like I needed to, to get, to get it basically. Um, yeah, that's probably been like, I mean, it, it it was one of the pieces that I wanted for a long time, but I was like, oh, I'll never be able to get it right. I'll never be able to afford something like that or whatever. Did you get it out at auction? And all, um, I actually was very, I was very lucky. Basically, I got I put like one ETH into Pepe when it like launched, or not long afterwards, and like it went like seven hundred X or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then th- that's when I was like, okay, now I can finally get a Lost Robbie. Um, but that's probably. Probably my largest purchase, I would say, and probably ever will be, I think. Yeah. So it sounds like your investing thesis is also pretty consistent. Like you look, you go for old, kind of old stuff, like Autoglyph is the first on-chain generative. Yeah. Like for those who don't know, the last, the last Robbie is the kind of the first AI art on the blockchain, right? Yeah. The chicken wing. And so basically, right. I think AI art is very easy to dismiss as low effort, right? Because it takes like, it takes like 10 seconds for me to produce an image on mid-journey, right? And people will write off all AI art as just something that's low effort, easy to produce, low quality, and like write off the whole art form, whatever. Do you want to call it art form too? Doesn't matter. I don't really, we're not worried about the, the language. But um, I think like some of the early innovators, let's say, for example, like Robbie Barrett, who actually was involved in like writing some of the code for these GAN models early on and and who actually curated the data set. So like if you if I try to like write a text prompt into Midjourney to generate an image of I don't know a dog and it has like a de- a little set of millions of pictures of dogs that it uses, I guess, to to train whatever model it uses to generate that image. Whereas these early these guys using these GAN models actually like curated the data set themselves. So they had like like he would have let's say gathered nude portraits himself like and like curated the data set which would be used then by the model to generate the output you know and like there's a little bit more there's definitely a little bit more involved when you're talking about something like that especially when nobody was doing it and you're literally just experimenting right it's just like an experiment and Mm -hmm. you write the code and you're tweaking it and you're like you know you and that's like that's legitimately interesting i think and it's cool and they were given away for free right well, the story about them, um, yeah. So at Christie's Art and Tech Summit in 2018, I think, maybe 19, um, no, it was five years anniversary was recently, so 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, 
of, and this is amazing, right? So like the attendees would have been, let's say, typical traditional art collectors um, in their goodie bag at the conference were uh, handed a physical card, which on it was a Ethereum wallet address and a scratch off to a seed phrase mm-hmm. that access that wallet on the super rare website. And um, it's believed that many of those cards are lost because only at the moment 36 or so have been claimed maybe a little bit more than that now but the thing is and this is cool right because nfts whatever pride themselves crypto on the transparency of the chain right you can always verify and um, the total supply of a collection you can look at what wallets own it for how long the provenance all that stuff is like the selling point for nfts right and what i love about this is there's still an unknowable factor of how many of these are actually in circulation because if let's say there's 250 that are yet to be claimed we can't know for sure if they are just somebody's sitting on a pile of 50 of them somewhere we right. have to claim them we can't know that and we can't know that until they're claimed uh, another interesting thing to take into consideration is the fact that how were these steed phrases physically like transported from digital form to being on the scratch card so is there a database somewhere that has these favorites yeah and who and who has access to this database and who had access to it and was it ever leaked and is somebody did somebody see it and has access to these things but doesn't want to tank the market i don't know it's a total risk you're taking right like you don't know Uh, the only good thing is that the max supply is 300 right so there can never be more than 300 but i still think is a very low supply and also there's more to this story like i've done so, so much like the story is so interesting so robbie as well the first ever instance of ai art being sold in the traditional art gallery or the traditional auction house i think was um the portrait of bellamy the bellamy portrait i might be getting some of the facts incorrect here now and um, if, if you can search it and i think um bellamy AI, yeah this is it um and by obvious, a group of French, uh, a French group of AI artists. But the model that they used to generate this um, was actually written by Robbie Barrett. Was that was mainly written by Robbie himself, right? But also, this is really interesting. Look at the if you look at uh, the signing at the bottom of it, like mm-hmm. you know the way artists would generate sign their signature. What they did in this case is they signed it with part of the algorithm, and they were trying to create this debate of like, okay, who is the artist? Is the artist the the model or mm-hmm. the artist and this sparked this whole debate of oh no ai creates art and like classic mainstream media clickbait headlines but what's interesting is they used there was a heavy influence for sure of robbie's uh, work in this portrait and he doesn't seem to care about it from watching interviews and stuff later doesn't seem to care too heavily on it but um i think that's fascinating and also a s- small little bit more information is uh bellamy is like French for Bellamy, which is like good. It's like a, a pun on Goodfellow, and I think it's Ian Goodfellow is uh, who worked at Google, invented or created um, get the GAN model initially. So this is like a like a pun on his name. That's um, really cool. So, so there's all all there's so, there's a couple of um, yeah. I don't know. I just found the project fascinating when with all these and like and you see the way the world is developing now with AI being used in like. Um, Chachiati and things like that, uh, and it's still very much like written off as uh, low effort, not really cool. And I find this, and it's just like a tool 
for artists, basically. To... When you when you talk about the supply being, uh, you know, who knows what the actual supply is? It's similar to how punks were back in the day. I mean, there are all these lost accounts, and actually, Mister Seven Hundred Three was one of them. We didn't know who he was or if he would ever wake up. And so, like back in the day, I think we figured out there were like at least fifteen hundred punks that were in wallets that had had no activity since the first claim. And yeah. so there was this debate. It was like, well, maybe the supply is only eighty five hundred. It's not ten thousand. And it's, you know, now with all the, once the bubble happened and people started to become aware, most of those wallets woke up. I think, I don't know the number now of how many are considered dead. It might be like 500 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, seven hundred people woke up and that was huge. But then what's also interesting is when that happened, it did not take the market. It actually made the market stronger. And so I, I can see if my initial hunch is that they're all lost, but let's say they're not. If yeah. these Robbies wake up and, and like, let's say someone says, oh, I have 50. And they make a big deal out of it and they make a big auction off of them. It might temporarily deflate the price, but I think in general, over, over the long term, it would actually help. It wouldn't hurt. I mean, it's always a new news story if anybody finds them, right? And I found like, dude, yeah, I recently a lot of the tweets from sure. um, Matt from Larva Labs tweeting like uh, years ago. I, I just like searching keywords on Twitter as part of my research and stuff. And like, he lost his card. He was at that Christie's. Uh, oh, no he's, way. Yeah, yeah, he lost well, his. He's one, so of, he's one of the lost yeah, and I've also found an image from the event with um, Jason Bailey, Art Nolley. Uh, oh, he's yeah. He's a guy that uh, hacked the cards from it's Super Rare. Were like, uh, um, he helped organize it with Robbie and Super Rare. And they're actually packing the cards into the gift bags. And there's like a stack of cards on the table. And like to think it's like a treasure hunt. Like this is why I love the story so much. It's like, it's like, um, like to think that these cards know are worth whatever they're worth right and that they're just sitting here on the table and anybody could have grabbed one if they wanted but but nobody cared crazily uh, and i know it, like i know recently there was sparked a lot of debate i'm not sure if you saw it when i did buy it that like what i bought was was rubbish and it was like and um, it's definitely like uncomfortable to look at or that it was just junk i'm not sure if you saw a lot of like people were furious after that purchase because they thought i was buying like something ridiculous and not that I understand the criticism, but if you know nothing about what went into the project and the history of it, I can see why initially you just see an image. You're like, why would anybody mm-hmm. want on that or whatever? I think I guess similar. You could say you could say that with any NFT, right? There's different kinds of art. I mean, there's things that you look at and immediately connect to, and there's things that don't really have any context and you don't understand them. But then when you get context, they completely change in how you view. Yeah, it. and also Robbie himself is a very interesting character in that he. Um, walked away from NFTs. So to think to think that he he so he was you know the way now you can like generate like uh, with like a minute of somebody's uh, voice you can generate like um audio or them speaking or whatever like these models like he was messing around with them in 2015 or 2016. Like does it, he he uploaded a video on YouTube uh creating like a rap using Kanye's voice or Kanye's lyrics like really early models that he's just messing around with. Like he was like he was so early to playing around with this stuff and now to think that so you'd imagine like he's doing this all those years ago you'd probably be thinking okay what what is he working on now right he's gone back to like classic iconography paintings like oh that's <laughs> funny scared of the, uh, because and it's right like to an extent like that nfts just became into this financialization thing where what he wanted to do with, because as a digital artist he's a digital artist right he was like why do i need to print off physical copies of my work right he thought he taught the use case for nfts made sense that we have a digital representation of my artwork and yet now you can own my work 
you can still own my work in digital form. So I don't have to make physical prints or things like that. And that use case made total sense. But the issue was the financialization of it, I guess, in that like we wanted to create something abundant that anybody could have and be able to distribute it easily. And then the narrative shifted towards the oh, fixed supply, therefore rare, therefore valuable. And it just, I think the whole maybe overlapped at a time later when all projects were just like blown up. And I guess as an artist looking at the stuff, the price of stuff we're trading for, he was like, this makes no sense. Uh, and just and just thought, just saw NFTs as like a complete like, kind of cash grab. And, and I respect him for, like he could have easily cashed in on the hype and made so much money, and but but he walked away. Yeah, I mean that the, he sounds like a fascinating artist. I do. Thanks for all that info. I, I knew a little bit of that, but I didn't know a lot of that. He's so young as well. Like I think he's only twenty, maybe twenty seven now. Oh wow! Um, yeah. And maybe younger, maybe younger. But there's an, a, a cool clip on YouTube where he's talking about AI artists being used as a medium for artists and as a tool. Like it's not going to replace artists. It's just going to be used as a tool for them to help their work and this is four or five years ago before mid journey or anything like that people have you played around with mid journey i've tried it it's it's not yeah is uh it, it's really hard to get something good like you can get crap out and then you realize like that extra 10 percent you need to make it good is really hard i, I what's funny is like i and same same thing happening with chat gpt I, I use it like extensively for like a few days and i'm like mind blown by it i think it's the coolest thing ever and then right. i'm like okay okay now what <laughs> right Right. Then you take it for granted. And then you're like, this actually isn't that cool because it's wrong every once in a while. And like, how does this really help me? Yeah. You, you, okay. Now I can generate a mildly accurate image of anything I want, but let's, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really need that really, you know, uh, it's fun for like, uh, it's cool. Like it is scary how quickly it's just become normalized. And that's like, uh, like I reckon there's still a large majority of the population who are not familiar with it would be mind blown by a tox prompt that could generate an image, but they just ha- haven't seen it yet, right? And like it is, it is pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, but I've already taken it for granted. <laughs> yeah, I think it needs to get. I think we kind of got ahead of it now, and, and then over the next like couple of years, it'll be integ- it'll be fine tuned, integrated in the products we already use, and then it'll be really, you know, the, the technology is amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's only like the, the level it's at right now is the worst it's ever going to be from <laughs> yeah, right. here on. The deep fake stuff, and I'm worried about. Because I, 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 I will say, after using Midjourney, um, I have a slight um, hesitancy in believing any image I see now on Twitter. Like I'm a little bit right. more skeptical about what's legitimate or what's real or what's not. And speaking of Larva Labs, you mentioned them earlier. Tell me a little bit. You're you're a member of the Fingerprints DAO, and they just launched their NFT, their membership NFT, which was done by Larva Labs. And I think I saw there was an auction that ended either yesterday or today. T- tell me what you know about that. Yeah, so I'm a member of Fingerprints. Uh, I'm I'm just like a normal member. I don't really contribute anything. I'm one of those like guys that you know posts GM every few days, but actually doesn't contribute anything. And I, I really like Fingerprints because I think John Peak Mania in the bowl, like they seem to be the only group of people that had like a sensible thesis that I agreed with. And it was like, you know, you could you can attach a a JPEG to anything and slap a token on any JPEG and call it an NFT. It doesn't make it valuable. It was like, what? Well, what is the value here? So, like, okay, you can use like on-chain art, or like use like um, store art and the mechanism for creating it on-chain and stuff like that, which was actually the cool, innovative thing. iPhone and fingerprints were like leaned heavily into that with part of their creation. But the voxel glyph is basically so to join the the DAO or the group, whatever, you needed to own like five thousand prints tokens, and 
what they recently done is they've migrated it from owning from instead of owning five thousand tokens to an NFT membership. So rather than owning five thousand tokens to be a member, you know, um, need to have this NFT. So there was a migration happened where you would burn your five thousand Prince tokens for a box of glyphs. So they working with Larva Labs to Larva Labs did the artwork for this piece and um, makes sense, I guess, given that one of the bigger collections in fingerprints as the, one of the biggest part of their collection is all the glyphs themselves anyway. And, um, and that and John are members. So yeah, that was it basically. So it's basically now the, the membership is the NFT, the box of glyph. And that's why they're all the same, right? Because I think people were worrying like, well, these are all just the exact same. It's like, well, we need to, we need our membership to be equal, I guess, so we can't have like rare rare membership. Yeah, that makes sense. Like that. How many are there? A thousand or? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Whatever the yeah, max supply of prints is divided by five thousand. But there's not an even distribution, right? Some people have like twenty thousand tokens or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I, I, that's only in the early stages of like the migration. Only opened today. They did auction, and the auction was for like um, box of glyph one, basically. Right. Yeah. I think I saw it went for six point five e. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that surprise you? Or do you think, I kind of thought it would go for more, but I thought it would go for more, to be honest. But I also wasn't willing to bid more, so yeah, right. And <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, it's, the market is dead, and um, but it's not really like because it is dead. But like, if I look at NFT price floor and I look at all the garbage projects, yeah, and some of them so are still trading. Some of them are yeah. still trading for one, like one eats a lot of money, like just to be for 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 rubbish. You know, uh-huh. I'm like, I like at least at least shit coins are honest scams. That's how I see them. Like, at least yeah. I know there's nothing there. It's totally valueless. It's all hype. Don't expect anything. There will be no roadmap. There will be no project. It's just people that are incentivized together for number to go up. And if it goes down, that's on you because well, you're an idiot for buying it anyway. Um, it's like the most honest farm of crypto to be honest <laughs> pull up uh the sam spratt uh tweets uh that he's been doing recently because i feel like it might be controversial and i might get flack for criticizing it but i just feel like this project is it kind of bothers me because what what he's done he has these skulls which have kind of caught on with all the like quote important people you know like the the wag me cabal the wag me cabal and I won't lie. Like, sure, if they had, if they had nominated me to be a part of it, I'm sure I'd be like, "Oh, this is cool," but that didn't happen, right? Not that I thought it would, but I'm just saying, like, I'll be honest. Like, if I was included, it would probably seem cool. But it's so exclusive that um, it's it's just kind of weird. It's like, why do I even care about this? I'm not a part of it, and I'm not going to ever want to buy one of these things for 50 ETH. And then to top it off, like he just re- announced an open edition of not open edition, sorry, a, a closed edition of 256 of this art which isn't my cup of tea it's like cavemen monkeys like kissing each other or something and there's like 3.3 ETH for an edition of 256 on nifty gateway yeah i mean (laughs) we're looking at the art and uh, like i it's just beyond me like like good for an artist they can get money it's fine and and i don't we don't have to all like the same art so i'm not trying to be critical of an artist and say your art's terrible it's not my particular taste but I just find in this market, if he sells this out, which he might, I don't know, we'll see at 3.3 to ETH for 256 identical, you know, versions of this art right here, that would surprise me. And I just think it would be kind of bizarre if he's able to succeed when like no one's buying anything. That's a lot of money, you know. Do you think there are any serious collectors in NFTs? Like, like 
sorry, is there anybody who isn't that aren't like purely speculators? Well, very few, I think. And again, like you were kind of saying earlier, it may not be on the podcast that we were just chatting, but you're kind of trying to say, oh, I'm not, a, I'm not like a big artist. Uh, you know, I, I don't know a lot about art and, and I'm, I'm just uh, here for the fun, but it's like, I don't know. I, th- I can tell after talking with you that you, you have good taste and, uh, you know, you only go for things that have some kind of historical significance. And I think that's what true art collectors actually, that's at least one way of doing it is it doesn't even really matter the subjective appeal of the art. It's more like the historical significance. Network is thrown around all the time, historical, but like autoglyphs, yeah. punks, Nakamoto's, those are historical. Like no one would argue that they're not historical. So uh, I get that. And I think way later, if you're at, like I can see in a museum 25 years from now, any of those three things I just mentioned being in a museum, I can see a Robbie Barrett definitely being in a museum for all those reasons, not because it's so beautiful, but because it kind of helps start a whole movement. There's going to be, you know, the AI art movement's not going to die. It's going to, you know, blossom and there's going to be really cool stuff that gets created. But when I look at something like this, it's like, I don't see this being in a museum ever, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, like, um, purely like I, w- I did go down a historic kind of rabbit hole at one stage where I thought like older timestamp means better, right? The older. Yeah. Better. Not necessarily. No, right, yeah. no, it's not true. Like there has to be, an element of store there needs to be story to the artwork yeah 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 narrative somewhat appealing and also who are the collectors as well right that does have an impact Mm -hmm. like are the collectors a bunch of salty reply guys or are they right because there are some projects that i kind of like but i look at the collectors and i'm like i don't think i want to own that like or be part of that community where like anytime a sale happens they'll just reply and being like explain why they should have bought this instead and i'm like that's not going <laughs> to convince somebody to, to to get into your collection tap good has another tweet is there's a tweet i saw i think it was from today and it talked he was kind of quoting the price of the skulls and i always it always kind of bothers me when an artist like at top hype cycle right here uh three here that one there uh says i'm offering three skulls and then he he retweeted it. Three skulls up for grabs. Last two sales were around seventy. And then there's one where he explicitly talks about how much the skulls are worth, basically saying that the last few sales have been sixty five ETH or whatever. And it always kind of it kind of bothers me when artists hype their bags that much because first of all, this is the top hype cycle for this project. Like there's a very good chance in a month those skulls aren't worth, or in a year, those skulls are worth a tenth of what they're worth now. It's very possible. And so I think it's sort of tricky if you're kind of promising to your audience, to, to their potential buyers, hey, look how much these are worth. You know, these are worth this. It's like they're worth what someone's going to pay for them. I, I don't really love it. Like it's fine to say, hey, look at the volume I've had. Look at the attention. I'm really happy that I'm getting, you know, that all these people love my art. I have no problem with them promoting themselves. But when they directly mention the price, especially when it's sort of like it's on a volume of like two or three and it's like really hyped price. I just, I know, it bothers me when I read it and I don't know that, you know, I'm curious what you think about that. I, well, for a, for like a coin, for like a project, like a DeFi project or any sort of protocol, immediate red flags the second they talk about price. Like the minute yeah. a team tweets about price or like attaches a chart to the tweet, it's like fell right. immediately, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> uh, for an artist, well, I'll be honest, like generally I, Maybe not, but you kind of have you have to hype your own work too, right? But uh, generally, red flag. But I did find it quite funny recently in the um, 
the Winds of Yawanawa by Refik Anadal. Yeah, that's like the launch happening at the moment. I'm in that Discord, and it's so funny because it's like a, a mix of the gens plus like serious art collectors, and mm-hmm. like the serious collectors, well, serious like as serious as you can get in NFTs, are like um, you know complaining about floor price being mentioned so often. And can we just like uh, talk about the beauty of the work and the the what was involved in the process? And then like in the middle of it, Refik just just chimes in. Floor is three. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> like his works in Mamama, like, uh, yeah, I was like, he, like, it, but it was authentic, right? Because he's like, yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Like, I don't think he's just trying, he doesn't need to do that, but, but he's, he's just personally excited, right? And he just shared, wanted to share it. If you're, yeah. if you're bull tweeting regularly, no, it's a, it's a red flag for sure. But that was the one instance of it where I thought it was funny. I like that project and I actually wanted to buy one, but the price keeps going up when I look and I'm like, well, I don't want to buy now. So maybe if it comes back down, I will. But I really, I actually really like the art and they're going to reveal like late September, yeah. I think. And uh, Yeah, 20 to September is the reveal. Yeah. So I, I'm, I definitely have my eye on trying to snag one of those if the price goes down a little bit. Just yeah. because I've always wanted one of his, his move, his, you know, motion ones are way better than his static ones. And right now I think you can't really get one at all. Like they're impossible to get. They're really rare. Yeah, these come with a physical signed copy too. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's just do you have to mint it? Because I mean, they're they're changing hands right now. So how do you get the signed copy? Uh, I think there's like a deadline uh, that hasn't come yet. Where like maybe a snapshot. I'm not, I actually don't know, but I know that the deadline yeah. is not there yet. So you can still buy on secondary, and you'll be eligible to get that by a physical print okay. deck. Yeah. yeah. But like to be fair, all the action of the past months really has been shit corns, I think. Like the Miladies are in control. You know that mean mm-hmm. like Miladies in control, but really they're in control now, I think. And you know, I don't I don't honor me, but you know, CryptoPunks bent the knee to our monkey overlords. Yuga are our 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 bosses now. <laughs> and yeah, Miladies are in control. They really are. Like they're running the mean markets. They're like all the shit corns they're running up 10, 20. They're, they're all of them Miladies are behind all of them, I think. And um, I absolutely love it. It's hilarious. Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic, Ten in you. What? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And the ticker is Bitcoin. <laughs> like the ticker is Bitcoin. That's hilarious. It's like I laughed out loud, and I was like, absolutely want to own some of this. It makes no sense. And you're basically just going long on the most ridiculous left, you can find. left side of the curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sure. full yeah. curve, like, and like, um, yeah, that's all it is. It's just a joke. There's no like. I, I don't want to waste my time doing technical analysis. Like I don't understand any of that stuff. Like, it's all hocus, I don't hocus anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't get it's like it. astrology. Yeah. Is it hilarious though uh, how art has been like reduced if it is art, right? Reduced to like each individual NFT in a ten thousand dollar collection is reduced to a, a a dot on a plot chart to determine like whether the project is bullish or bearish by drawing like trend lines and like it's just ridiculous like the way things have developed in the last year or two but yeah, yeah the the whole blur thing kind of you know brought that to another level of just turning all these nfts into shit coins again conspiracy shit coins the pictures like uh like kobe said blur was the invention of the wagme cabal to provide exit liquidity for the whales like the primary use case of blur is to sell large quantities of stuff that's yeah but that's how markets work right i mean i don't, I don't yeah. think that you should be organized 
recognize my yeah, secret yeah, cabal. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. But like that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's some people it, might think you're serious. <laughs> okay. Okay. It did like, uh, yeah, provide that opportunity for big bag holders to get out. It's great. Like it is great. And I think, um, who was it? OSF and Mando, didn't they sell like a yeah. ton of apes? Like uh, 70 or 80 apes yeah, in a single transaction. Yeah. Legends don't done. clean. Like if you wanted to drip, sell them off and then you people messaging, you've been like, what are you doing? Why are you selling? And then there's market panic because they see you're selling and whereas you can just wipe your hands at one transaction. It's pretty cool. Pep, Pep you haven't chimed in. I'm curious what you think about artists talking price on their own projects if that bothers you or if it's just me no i think i agree like that there is a line between celebratory and like say out and out shilling um i, I got criticized I, I i tweeted like a year ago about claire silver i think i quote tweeted one of her quotes about one of her tweets about like the floor of my project is this i'm so happy and i said something about oh no no, no i didn't quote tweet it because i kind of vaguely hid what I, who I was referring to but it was referring to her and she realized it and then everyone kind of jumped to her defense it kind of insulted me and said, not insulted me, but like criticized me and said, you know, how dare you criticize an artist? They're just trying to, you know, make money as an artist. And how dare you like, why, you know, you celebrate your wins when you trade. Why can't they celebrate their wins when they sell out at a good price? And it kind of became this interesting, like, I understand why they'd be sensitive as artists, but I do think there's a, there's a point that you don't really want to cross. And my, my I guess my main issue is picking the top potentially the top of the market of your project with very little volume and then acting as if that's the value of all of them and then even using that as like incentive to buy more of your stuff because you might get one of these that's worth 70 e yeah like it starts to get a little scammy like a little bit i mean you yeah. can only breed resentment as well when that like someone else buys the pico top of your art and then you, instead of getting another true fan you've lost the true fan for life kind of thing it's also interesting that like the, the contrast between people seem to go one of two ways they either go the robbie barrett route of all the financialization of everything is is repulsive or the opposite yeah. and caught it and foster it and, and yeah yeah all yeah. over leaning leaning to it this is let's get it out it's my scan yeah <laughs> yeah and maybe that's fine i mean maybe i'm wrong like like another artist i know who talks about floor price a lot is Pender van arben and I, I respect him a lot but he'll i'll see him tweet often like look the floor vikan is this like that's a steal someone should grab it and that is what we all do as collectors in a community. And I think he genuinely feels like it's worth more than that. He's not trying to scam you. But at the same time, when it's the artist saying that about their own work, yeah, you know, part yeah. of it's like, ah, I don't know, it's a little weird. I would, I would, I'm never going to be sold if an artist DMs me personally about their work either. Yeah, that's, that's the, you know, that's just them hustling, right? But, yeah. Well, like they, what they should do is create an alt and like hustle on their behalf yeah. under an alt. And I'd respect for that hustle even more. <laughs> that would make more sense. Because yeah, it's totally like what you want as an artist is you want me, for example, to just genuinely love their art and tweet about how great it is. But to be honest, even as a, like, I would have had like, I got a few more followers, let's say in the last year or whatever, but like, I noticed that I have to be a little bit more careful now in like shit posting and stuff because um, like, I'll ju- like, I want to, like, there's a fine line between shitting your bags and just being a scammer as well, right? Like, yep. Like, like any of the shit coins that I own, like, could go to zero in the morning. And, but I, I find myself funny sometimes. I find like, I'll tweet something funny and I'll, like, immediately delete it because I'm like, uh, maybe somebody will take this the wrong way and that's a joke. Like, you know, like, I tweeted something like a few months ago, like, oh, I heard Pepe is going to be used as, like, a utility token to access, like, uh, the Museum of Modern Art or something. Like, it was just <laughs> a stupid, a stupid joke, right? A stupid joke. Yeah. 
and I deleted it immediately. And then like somebody tweeted with a screenshot of that tweet being like a influencer trait and like, is this how you want to oh. treat your followers? And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, it's just a joke. <laughs> yeah. Like, and how hard can you shill your bags as a collector too, right? Like, I think it's okay if you, I don't know. I know I can see some collectors are like to spend all their time just shilling their bags like and like try to hide it a bit I guess in like a sensitive shill. It's a nuanced art. It's a very nuanced art of uh, shilling your bags without looking like you're shilling your bags. If there's any autograph say like I generally tweet about it because I'm obviously interested in it and I'm a collector and I want to talk about it I guess. But like is that shilling? I don't know. Raising awareness? Whatever whatever lie you need to tell yourself. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Um, but some accounts are like, and some accounts don't care, right? Like they're, they don't care at all. Like they're just, yeah, will, will shill whatever they want on their followers and dump it immediately. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a concrete example. So when, um, Rupe Renista's, uh, life in West America came out, I genuinely, are you familiar with that at all? It's like the yeah, AI yeah, photography. Yeah. The brain drops. hit the brain drops. Yeah. The first time I saw one of those images. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I was really excited about it. And then when it dropped, I bought, uh, I minted one and then I bought another one. And then I posted this thread about how awesome it was. And then that thread got a lot of attention. I mean, it was one of many people talking about it, but it, it happened to get a, a fair amount of attention. And I'm sure that was one tiny little factor as to why the price went up. And then the price went up and up and up and up and up. And then eventually I sold one of mine kind of at the top just because the trader and me started to look you know, instead of being a collector, it's like I was being a trader. I'm like, well, it'd be dumb not to sell one of these. The one I really like, I'm going to keep, yeah, pro- you know, for a long time, maybe forever or whatever. I really like it. The other one I did was the one I minted. I didn't pick it. I didn't love it. And the floor got up to like 10 ETH. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I minted this for 0.1. Like I should probably sell it for 10 ETH. And I, I sold it for 80 on the way down a little bit. But you could, you could in retrospect say, hey, you bought this, you shilled it, and then you sold it at the top. Like, that's fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, like, draw a graph of, like, your tweets and the price, and then you said. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it wasn't intentional, but I can't say, I can't say in my subconscious, I mean, maybe it was. In that case, we're all going to gin. Yeah, right. You're all going I mean, to gin. It, it's just a sli- slippery slope, sort of. So maybe I, I should be criticized just the same as these artists, you know, it's like. I'm not saying I'm right. I just kind of like discussing it. I, I don't think I'm the only person who sees some of these tweets and is like, eh, is that is that okay? Or is that kind of weird? Yeah. That's, that's kind of why I want At least you're conscious of it though and you're not, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, awesome, man. I don't think I had one other thing to ask you about. What was it? Oh, yeah. This, I saw that uh, tweet about Trump cards. Did you really buy Trump cards? Yes. Okay. So obviously it was a very bad decision in hindsight. But my logic was if we're in... <laughs> You know, oh, look at that picture. Yeah, but it's so bad, it's good, right? That's what that's what's so bad is good. Yeah, it's like it's like Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic, and in you for me. Like, as like these are ridiculous. The art is so bad here. <laughs> they're 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 good. Like, it's it's. I actually thought it was like a, it's a performance act. Like, it's so bad, like on purpose, and that um, like if we're if, you know on the memes of production or whatever, and like this person is the biggest meme in the world, um that no matter what he says gets like no matter how real or like false or whatever it just like he just is viral content is viral regularly and if where you know nfts are going to be adopted by the mainstream and his method of like launching them was kind of unique as well i think in that like most of the holder base were like normies that like you know sign up through email somehow and paid with credit card or debit card or whatever and like don't even know how to access the card in the first place and like um, 
so I felt like, and in a run up to the election, like I thought there was a couple of reasons why I thought, okay, all the stars could align here and this could really blow up. Like if there's any slight chance of him um, being elected next next time, whatever, and just the memes, and because obviously he's been very quiet since his presidency, let's say, and I thought like, okay, so the, the content machine is going to turn back on again, mainstream media content machine, and there's going to be more and more of him in mainstream media, and it's going to bring more eyes onto him, maybe some eyes onto the NFT, it leading into the election. I thought all these things are going to overlap with NFT massive auction and this character being a meme, and then he rugs everybody by launching <laughs> a second series, and and everybody loses money. That is the act of the deal. Maybe he'll launch utility where if you have like ten tokens, you get to raise capital the next time. Or he did. If you own them seventy five, you got to go to dinner with him. No, um, for real. I don't. Is he gonna yeah. dag on that though? I don't know. I like. I mean, the act of the deal, right? He's probably gonna rug on that too. But I mean, you know, I'm still holding them. But what are they worth now? Look, well, what are they worth? Up point one, maybe point oh eight. Are they on Polygon or something? Yeah, they are. He's ahead of the game. He's on. L, he's got L two NFT. So my question is, how much involvement did the actual Donald Trump have with this? Any at all? So yeah. like a one conversation, like, hey, can we do this? We'll pay you. One yeah, yeah. Would you sure. would you would you like a couple of million overnight for some digital pictures? Yes, James. Yeah. Yes, please. They're idiots. They'll pay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Wag me. And That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong, but. Oh yeah, well I don't, you don't always you don't always win, but it sounds like overall you're doing pretty well. It sounds like you're not your largest bags are not the top of that chart where everything's down ninety eight percent, so you should feel good. Thankfully not, no, thankfully not. But I mean, I still like um, yeah, like if you're down sixty percent in ETH and then ETH is down like seventy percent in USD, you're still down like what ninety whatever percent. Is there like a grail that you haven't got? You got what a lot of people would regard as four grails, right? So is there a, a grail that you're missing? It's on the on the radar or what? Um, I can't think off the top of my head. I like gazers that I, d- I don't have a gazer, which I quite like. That's the first thing that comes to mind. But well, our our blocks curated by Matt Kane and uh, it's, yeah, just for people who don't know, it's it's definitely a the people who are fans of it are like rabid fans, and it is it's super complicated. Like every few days, based on the phases of the moon, it'll change. There's all this cool like Easter eggs that are programmed in over the next, I think, twenty years or maybe a hundred years or however long. It's yeah, cool. I can't think. Maybe I'd like to get a board ape someday. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't have figured you for a board ape guy. Nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I fell for it. <laughs> get a mutant when they get down to one eat just for fun. Yeah, you know. You know, my I, my wife wants me to get an OG Kevin from Pixelmon. She really wants me to get one. Moon cats or something I think about every now and then, but I don't own any. I rescued two moon cats back in the day. That yeah, was fun. same. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of replay guys there. I think the historical community is riddled with like controversial characters as well. I think there's talking like just some guys are like just outright scammers. Some are just trying to dump their bag. Some are just trying mm-hmm. to have like a massive supply of a project to trying to shill on you. Um, yeah, like there's some really cool people as well that like are really advocates of like and are really into it but it's, it can be difficult to distinguish who's like legit and who's not completely unrelated to that i have a, a humongous bag of the original sports nft on ethereum in case uh, you want to buy some you know they're, they're really going to go up in value later on what's this mlb champions my first nfts that i got in all okay. uh, 2018 and that was that was the, the narrative then like first 
you know, baseball first sports NFT and yeah, and much worthless. So yeah, doesn't always pan out. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at it. You'll love the art. The art is stunning. <laughs> there we go. Like when you look when you when you st- when you filter some of the projects by like highest last sale during the bull, like how ridiculous the things get. Like surely, surely that never comes back. I, could, I hope I'm wrong, but I mean maybe it, it does come back. But there's new scams, right? Like the old scams will never pump again. But like, yeah, it'll be new scams. It'll be new scams yeah. that pump. I mean, the other thing that people don't understand is, I mean, I'm, I'm not a technical analysis person, but when they look at these graphs and they see the big spike from COVID. And then they're like, oh, like that's just like in Bitcoin in 2013, there's going to be a bigger spike next time. They're like, no, there's not. Like the, the government put $7 trillion into the economy in a year. Like that doesn't, that's not going to happen again. Like that, that was a completely distorted market. Like to look at the all time high of Moonbirds or what's another project oh, like yeah, Invisible Friends and say, oh, we're going to get up there again. No, you're not. Like that's never going to happen. Yeah. I missed, I didn't get it. I'm waiting for the Moonbirds. Like I registered whatever it was for the agreement. And my wallet didn't get selected, and I just fought at the project ever since. Nice, good for you. I was a big fan at the beginning because I liked Kevin Rose, and I thought it was you know it's bull market, and I thought everything was going to be great. And I was right at first; it did go up, and I ended up dumping him, maybe for a little bit of a loss or net cutting, cutting even. The act is still rubbish. Like, doesn't matter how high the price goes. Oh um, yeah, it's not good. Art yeah. Like, the art was a lot better when they were worth a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's not, I was pretty good. That rubbish, absolutely rubbish. <laughs> I would have put that fucking thing on my wall if it was still a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Ponzi, the Ponzi birds are still like one and a half ETH or something. Like, can't wrap my head around it. Like, uh, and then they talk about just absolute jargon talk, like it's all supporting artists, like all oh, whatever. There, oh, there's a great account. Uh, this guy JJ, and he still keeps his Moonbird PFP, and every day he just tweets the most critical, like hypercritical stuff of how bad the project is. He quotes Kevin Rose all the time. He shows us discord messages of how he contradicts himself. Like there was one the other day and it has Kevin Rose saying like, I support artists. And then the next picture was all of his sales of all the art he had bought, like selling it a wheat bids, just giving it all away. <laughs> I think, I think a tweeted about Miladies actually as the reason why I was bullish on Miladies. I, I don't own any, but then um, months ago, like really months ago was like they were just like like schizo posting or whatever and like uncancelable in like you know the way like moments are very like politically correct in their tweeting and like you know yeah, very nice and very, very friendly inclusive whereas yeah. whereas like miladies like some of them are probably outright maybe racist or whatever and shit like, yeah, some of them are yeah, prob- yeah yeah and probably some of them are probably probably like very questionable characters but like they were just uncancelable in that like they just like it's like what what are you gonna do like what are you gonna do I'm gonna tweet whatever I want to tweet um, and like that's kind of more the same yeah. for punk ethos like I don't know crypto punk selling the new bill has killed me honestly uh, it's brutal killed me and we're all pretending that we're okay with it but we're not like like oh, I'm not okay with it I'm just hoping they don't do anything and then it kind of distances itself but yeah, yeah. But they're just gonna go bust eventually and sell it to somebody else aren't they yeah they'll spin it off I think and hopefully that'll be not you Disney yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we need to form a DAO and buy it back. Yeah, and then burn it. Yeah, there we go. I mean, that was the main thing about punks that was so great. It was like they're not. No one's ever going to change them. No one's ever going to promise utility with them. And now it's like, yeah, now we're playing set and fatal in the monkey metaverse. Yeah, exactly. So that's not great. Hopefully, that won't yeah. uh, 
hurt my back too much. At least it doesn't exist though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always got to be pre-revenue. Well, awesome, man. I think, uh, I think we're going to wrap up here. It was really good. Good chatting with you. Thanks for that. Guys. That was, that was cool. I had a good week. That was fun, man. Yeah. Good to meet you. All right. Chat soon, guys.